Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati. It's actually gorgeous out here in Cincinnati. Actually, it's sunny. You always say sunny Cincinnati. Today, it actually is a sunny Cincinnati. It's, it's supposed to be ironic. It's not that good of a joke, and I could definitely fade it if we have to. Um, a lot on the catch it's and release. It's supposed to be a today. joke. That's news to me. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Um, I guess I should just kill myself. <laughs> uh, a lot on the catch and early buzz that I want to get to, but before we do, we had someone from TaskRabbit come in to the new house, oh, yeah. new apartment building, to set up the four TV setup. You said I'd already brought it up, but there are multiple people in the YouTube channel who said they haven't heard about it. Mm. We have a wall at the new apartment that's a, a wall of TVs. We don't have a picture of it yet, but when we get it up and like... The goal was to have it ready for March Madness, the first round be. of March Madness, which it will obviously be. We got it set up this morning, but it's a full wall. Imagine a full wall of TVs all going to be hooked up to YouTube TV, and it should be pretty fucking sick. I'm yeah. excited about it. I am too. I One am of the too. first things we said when we moved in is like, hey, we're going to save money on rent. What if we just dumped it into four TVs? Just in time for no more football. Exactly. Exactly. Which I think, can we talk about how many people tweeted? No, 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 no. That's going to be, that's the segment later. Okay. It's a segment okay. later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get Just to wait. the catch and early buzz. What we actually have here. Ian Rappaport tweeting agents representing more than 150 draft, draft prospects are organizing a boycott of all testing on field workouts and interviews at next month's NFL scouting combine. If heavy bubble restrictions aren't changed, sources tell me and Tom Pellicero. Now heavy bubble restrictions. What does that mean? Players are going to be expected under the current restrictions to only be in their hotel room mm -hmm. and then either at the press conference or working out, not allowed to leave essentially. And while in previous combines, they were allowed to have all of their trainers, whether it was dietary, you know, X amount of trainers working with them throughout the week, they're only allowed one, only allowed to work with one trainer throughout the week. So that is the big reason why agents and prospects are concerned with these restrictions because they don't think it's going to put them in the best you know best position to compete and here's my take this boycott that is being projected by agents will 100 percent i'll put it not 90 not 95 100 happen if the restrictions aren't lifted because knowing that nfl scouts and nfl evaluators do not prioritize the combine measurements and combine times over pro days and private workouts there's no yeah. legitimate reason if you are going to be put at a disadvantage right as you are with these restrictions to do it at the combine bucky brooks who is a, a host on the um move the six podcast and was a longtime nfl scout has said multiple times that nfl evaluators take the best time and the best measurements regardless of where they're collected so it's not oh at the combine it matters more because there's on a it's on a scale or it's all on the same level playing field or pro days matter more because they're on their home first it's like no wherever you clock the fastest 40 or have you know the best way or the best height whatever it is longest arms that that's the measurement we're going to take into the draft evaluation process so much that if you're going to be at a disadvantage at the combine because you're restricted to when you can leave your room, you're restricted to who you can bring to the combine, this boycott will happen. And that is bad news for the NFL that profits a shitload off the combine because they're able to broadcast it on NFL Network for an entire week. Yeah, this blows my mind that the NFL is imposing these restrictions, obviously for like liability reasons and COVID and whatever. But, like, they stand to lose a lot of money if not a lot of these guys want to be there, you know? So, I, and they shouldn't. Like, we've said before, even in years past, even, like, you know, non-COVID combines, if you know you're not going to perform well at a combine, it's better to not put up any time than to put up a bad time in any of these drills. So these guys, in this day and age, know exactly what they're getting into. They've been training for this the last two months. You know if you're going to put up a good or a bad time. And so, like, if you're going to the combine and you know you're going to be in a situation where you're not going to be performing at your best, 
No one's going to do it. You're going to be stupid to do it. Like Mm -hmm. uh, anyone advising these people should be, these agents advising them should be saying, no, we're going to hold off until our pro days, private workouts, whatever, because there's, like I said, does not behoove you to put up anything other than your best times. And with the pro days too, especially after last year where the combine was canceled due to COVID concerns, you saw guys going to Penn State running low four fours and, and clock. I mean, th- th- these yeah, measurements I mean, at the pro day are objectively better. Because a lot of them are hand time and all that stuff than they are at the combine. Well, I also just, you get the team reported. You don't you don't trust necessarily as like outsiders. It's hard to trust, and you always put like the pro day adjustment if you are doing any analytical sort of analysis of pro day numbers, but. I do think t- like teams have their own times that are probably more realistic than what you usually see get reported. So, I mean, the official stance for me is that this is 100% going to happen unless the NFL changes things. And I do think the NFL changes things because they know the money they'll lose. They, should, yeah. they will lose a ton of money broadcasting the combine and all the sponsors that come with that if they don't alleviate these restrictions because there's no – like there's no like bluff to call here, in my opinion, because sometimes when you hear with boycotts, there's like a bluff necessarily where yeah. like, you know, they're not going to actually do it. They won't actually follow through. I guarantee, I guarantee they follow through with this because again, it just does not, it does not make sense for prospects yeah. to prioritize if they are going to be restricted and not going to be able to put out their best measurements or their best times. Lance Zierlein also makes the catch really buzz. He's a friend of the podcast, a guy that we talked with a ton at the Senior Bowl. He's an NFL draft analyst for NFL.com. Odds are, if you've read an NFL draft profile at any point in your life, it was one of Lance Zierlein's who does a fantastic job for NFL.com. He tweeted, listening to, I believe, radio in Houston. Or no, working radio in Houston. I think he does a radio show in Houston. The Watson trade, the Tunsil trade, and probably the Brandon Cooks trade all look in or kind of looks inevitable right now. And that's from Mike Gennady of Track on the bench ESPN 97.5, 92.5. That, in my opinion, we've had conversations about Houston a bit, has been obvious, right? I mean, Laramie Tunsil, the contract situation he's in, Brandon Cooks, the contract situation he's in, obviously the Deshaun Watson dilemma that is, Houston needs to reset. Desperately, desperately needs to reset um, at all of those positions well, and likely commit to this rebuild. Well, you said contract situation. It's not like those guys are on bad contracts. It's that you don't need to pay guys when you stink. You know, like it, it's, it's that they won't be there in Houston when Houston could theoretically be good again. And so at that point, why, why waste their time? Like they would, they themselves probably want to be out. Why waste your own time and your own cap space paying those guys? So yeah, it, it that one, I think we even floated it out or we said it in not so many words on Houston's off season game plan that, that's just what has to happen. If you really want to commit to this, that's what you have to do. I think, um, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, which I want to touch on this a little bit at some point in the show, if we have time, is they just recently came out with division winner odds. And Houston Texans are plus 2,200 to win the AFC South next year, while the Jacksonville Jaguars, the third-ranked team in that division, are plus 1,400. They're also plus 7,000 to win the AFC. Like This is a team... Regardless of whether you have Cooks, Tunsil, Watson on the bench, is not going to compete, right? And the Watson too is due a forty million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty two. And if Houston is as they were last year, committed to benching him for seventeen games, he is on his way out of Houston, regardless if he plays another NFL game uh, or, or not. Yeah, I mean, I want to know who the people are who have laid any money down on that number plus twenty two hundred <laughs> for them to win the South. What would it have like, to be for you to bet it? I, I mean, like, it would have to be. You would have to hear that like Deshaun Watson had been cleared of literally any and all allegations and everyone retracted. Like there, there Oh yeah. There like there's no realistic world where I would ever bet that number. There's just 
it's that's ridiculous. I wonder how much money any book has even gotten action wise on that number. That's insane. While we're on the catch and early buzz, I did want to highlight that or not highlight, appreciate those who are watching live on YouTube. We do go live on YouTube for the Monday episode. And the one comment in the chat right now, Mike, is Mike, I could totally double leg you. What does that mean? I don't want to. I don't want to know, but like Jacob, (laughs) appreciate you watching the show. Really appreciate that you're a Gator. Mike, I could double leg you is what he says. So it's a martial arts move. Could be. Oh, double leg takedown. That's a wrestling move. I mean, yeah, you could definitely double leg me. I'm not a fighter. I'd probably double leg you. All right, although I did whoop your ass in the boxing game at that bar. The, what boxing remember game? Remember we oh, did Charlotte, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. hit the bag? I just crushed you guys. And I shouldn't have even been doing it because I broke my hand doing the bag mm-hmm. thing before, and it really did hurt. Like Don't call it a boxing time. game. It's like who can throw the hardest punch. Yeah, the punch bag, the punching bag game at a bar. Yeah. Smoked you guys. Smoked us, for sure. Last thing on the catching early buzz here, it was catching a lot of early buzz. Hank the Tank is a 500-pound bearer. That is a, apparently in Lake Tahoe, California, breaking into homes, over two dozen homes, and paintballs, beanbags, sirens, and tasers with a capital T cannot keep him from seeking leftover pizza and other food. What has happened with Hank the Tank is a surge in virality that is honestly dangerous. Everyone with the same take, too. Hank the Tank's the hero we, don't de- we all deserve. Hank the Tank's our king. Harambe walked so Hank could run. Like everyone's just like pouring support for Hank the Tank, saluting this king, absolute unit. My homie just wants to eat. Let Hank eat. Why is this? I get it. Like it's fun. It's a good bit to, you know, attach yourself to this, like, uh, you know, a very like cute story. I just don't understand. Like this guy, this bear is just like breaking into homes and eating food. Well, this, sorry, this bear is just breaking homes and eating food, and everyone's just like, He's our king, and just the same like just just tropey takes. I don't know. I, I I'm just surprised by like just the consistency in the support for Hank the Tank. Yeah, there is something there like culturally about animals being like animals being fat and lazy being relatable mm-hmm. for some reason. Like dogs that are really fat, cats that are really fat. Everyone everyone loves that for some reason. But I put on 50 pounds and all of a sudden I'm the asshole for being a badass. My mom calls me and tells me to lose some weight. What's up with that? I just love the consistency. This one, I've never related to another living being my whole life. It's easier to find leftover pizza than go in the forest, Mr. Tiro said. On some, like, it's just Is that an actual picture, though, of Hank the Tank? The, if You're obviously listening on the podcast. Sorry for this bad content. But if they got that close for a picture, couldn't we, like, capture it take it down i don't think they want to take him down right they don't want to take him down hank the tank here's another take too so everyone obviously has the same take like he's our king love them uh, king stay kings whatever yeah. if he had a worse name i don't hank think he gets the support hank the tank's like a great fun name I people mean, it, want to support yeah. hank the tank if his name was like dog shit well no one would name him dog shit but you get what i'm saying <laughs> i just think hank the tank it's like my oh my god that's a lovable he that is an absurd shit. picture i apologize for the podcast listeners but if you're watching on youtube what the hell is that so he's a house he's a little house <laughs> hank the tank I, I i guess i do stand him now I, I think i am a fan we're a hank the tank pod hank the man's tribute leave hank the tank alone i just hate the consistency it's just everyone's just on board with hank the tank regardless don't harm him you if hank the tank goes down an article comes out like Harambe situation where like, yeah, we had to put him down because he was raiding another home. There will be more riots and yeah. social unrest than people are already for. <laughs> people are just like overwhelming support for Hank the Tank. He goes down because he like robs a home and like accidentally, like not accidentally, maybe purposely hits a kid or something. It's it's yeah. it's going to be rough. The heel turn will be. Didn't Harambe like beat a kid up? 
He was playing with the kid <laughs> that <laughs> fell into stop. his encampment. Stop. I've seen the video. It's if Hank the Tank, while he like everyone King's Day Kings is eating pizza and then sideswipes an eight-year-old and he gets shot. That'll be a fall from grace. There will be so many people standing him still. Yeah. There will still be so many tweets. people who are like bleeding for Hank the Tank. Yeah. All right, enough of this catch and early buzz. Let's get to the AFC and NFC East offseason needs, game plans, where we look at what these teams should do in free agency and in the draft. And it's going to be a special edition, too. This is the last direction we're doing, the last two divisions that we're doing. We've done all four now after this podcast. So go back and listen to previous episodes if your team is in one of those other divisions. But starting with the AFC East, Buffalo Bills tied for first according to DraftKings, and odds to win the AFC with the Kansas City Chiefs. Their offseason resources rank, according to PFF, according to Arjun Menon, an intern here at PFF that does a composite score of draft capital, free agency resources, all that stuff, 16th in the NFL, minus $4.9 million in available cap space right now. Some potential cuts, Daryl Williams, Cole Beasley, A.J. Klein, they could save about maybe $16, $17 million in cutting all those guys. And they could let some of these free agents walk too. Jerry Hughes, the, the veteran edge defender, Levi Wallace, cornerback, and then defensive tackle Harrison Phillips, another notable free agent. Start with free agency for me. Who are priority re-signs for the Buffalo Bills for you? And um, who are some guys that maybe they should go out and get? I think Harrison Phillips, Levi Wallace. So Jerry Hughes, Harris Phillips, Levi Wallace, all their noble free agents. I think Wallace and Phillips are pretty much, you would want those guys back to keep that defense sort of intact. Um, and they won't cost too much, obviously, to be. They'll be more valuable to you than they probably are to other teams coming down the open market. The one interesting one is Jerry Hughes, who I think with the drafts picks you've made in recent years, whether it's uh, last year when you double dipped at edge with Carlos Basham and – um, Craig Russo. Craig Russo. And then the year prior to that, AJ Epinesa in second round. So that's three top two round picks the last two years at that position. So at all over 2019, they, well, defensive line. They basically did those with the express intent of realizing that Hughes is going to be a free agent and he was going to be 34 years old. So TBD on if they do bring him back. Um, they have space, though. Or like, you know, 16th in resources, despite being over the cap right now, speaks to how much they can push into the future if they really want to go all in. Like, they can push some money from Stefan Diggs, from Tredavious White, from if they want to extend Tremaine Edmonds. Like, they can push some money into the future to create enough to be players in for agency for some guys. I think the bang for the buck, where that would come, offensive line. And as you say that, we've said that about a lot of teams, and there's not going to be enough to go around. But I do think if they could get some help along the offensive line, that would go a long way for this team. That's where I'd spend my money if I were. And like I said, they are a candidate to make some cap-pushing moves to to really make some plays this offseason. Yeah. I, I don't have any like really strong take on where they should go, but if they so choose, and they were pretty damn close last year, that was a damn good team to only make it to the AFC Divisional Round. I think they could make some serious plays this upcoming season. It'll be interesting to see if they do move on from Daryl Williams, right? He's highlighted as a potential yeah. cut because they could save money there. He was a starter for them this past year. They do have Cody Ford, the 2019 second-round pick. But it's it's still an offensive line that's creeping toward having weak links. I think that's been – the Buffalo Bills offensive line has been a perfect example, in my opinion, of this offensive line that doesn't have any great players but doesn't have any trash players and, like, obvious weak links along uh, along the offensive line. So I do think that if they do move on from Daryl Williams, it could get to that point, right, to where they mm -hmm. might need to invest either draft capital or free agency capital in yeah. the offensive line. I ideally, this team, you want Cody Ford, Spencer Brown, 
guys you've drafted to take the next step yes. so far neither obviously spreads around just being a rookie last year but like that's rookie what third you round need. pick too. Yeah, but that's what you need for those guys to take a step forward to really get this unit over the hump in the mock draft I wrote for PFF.com, which you can check out on site right now, it came out Monday, I did have them going defensive line again. And I can appreciate how they've approached adding talent in the draft along the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Recently, getting cheaper at what is a very expensive position group, defensive tackle and edge, are two of the highest paid non-quarterback groups in the NFL. If you get cheap there and get cheap rookie contract level starters, it allows you to spend elsewhere, spend along the offensive line, free agency, etc. But like Harrison Phillips, Jerry Hughes could be walking out that door. Mario Addison, F.A. Obata, Justin Zimmer, Vernon Butler are also all free agents. Like their only defensive tackles on the roster essentially would be Ed Oliver and Starlo Tulele if they do let all those guys walk. Getting cheaper and continuing to add there. I have them as a landing spot for Jordan Davis, the big defensive tackle to pair with Ed Oliver. It's a spot I really like. Jordan Davis coming off the board. Like a lot of people have him going to the Chargers at 17. That's a bit rich for me, especially if the Chargers are able to add a talented receiver at 17. I had them going Jamison Williams there. But if they can get Jordan Davis in the first round at that 25 spot, I'd love that as they let, especially if they let Phillips and Hughes go. And again, if like they are all in draft wise, you would probably want to target a guy who can make an impact. Mm -hmm. Jordan Davis against the run can make an impact you know like he can do that pretty certainly out the gate I'm not going to be worried about him um you know holding up to double teams anytime so I just I think he can do that so he would be a guy who could be you know not everyone and that's a first round pick is a guy that you expect to make an impact year one I think he would be one that you would let's get to the Patriots New England Patriots are next here they rank according to DraftKings right now ninth in odds to win the AFC next year. Big drop-off from the Buffalo Bills, and that's evident, too, in DraftKings' current odds to win the AFC East. Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. minus 225, Patriots plus 330, Dolphins plus 600, and the Jets way down there at plus 3,000. Bills are the obvious, obvious favorites to win this division. New England Patriots offseason resources ranked 20th. They spent a ton of money last year. Everyone highlighted that um, when they bought Johnu Smith, Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne. Um, they, they, they spent a lot of money in free agents the previous year. Matthew Judon, cap space this year, just $8.3 million. They can make some cuts. Nelson Aguilar saves them $5 mil. Devon Godchow saves them $5 mil. Jonathan Jones, five point six. And they have some notable free agents leaving. Jamie Collins, Trent Brown, J.C. Jackson's a massive one. Dante Hightower, Jacoby Myers, who is a restricted free agent, so likely to come back. But still, a key name they need to start making moves on with a new contract. New England Patriots, the move to make for them, start with free agency. Yeah, what I'm just gonna, I just wanted to say, I feel like that's a low number for them to be ninth in odds. And now there's a lot of teams in that mix. So they're plus 1,300. The Ravens are fourth in odds at only plus 1,000. So it's like tight. But I think the... I will just say in terms of the teams in the AFC, I think the Patriots are going to finish better than ninth next year. And that's not even like for as good as Mac Jones was, like you usually expect a bump from a quarterback in year two. So I think that's almost not getting caked into this number, Um, even if it's a minuscule bump. And that's kind of been the sort of knock on Mac Jones. He's capped or whatever. It doesn't have the high end that other guys do. Well, I think he's still, after a year in the NFL game, going to be a better player next year. But I will say the move I'd make, what to do this year, $8.3 million in space, 20th in resources rank. It's you kind of, you know, they shot the moon last year. That, that was when they went, blew through their cap space to a degree. They still have some to play with, but I think that's got to be used on keeping J.C. Jackson, Dante Hightower, Jacoby Myers. Can't really let those dudes walk. Like those are key pieces to this roster. 
Hightower especially, if they're not going to keep him, they need at least to draft Leo Chanel, like as I keep saying, is a perfect fit for replacing that because he's, I mean, we saw the defense last year and we saw the defense in 2020 and it was night and day with and without him on that roster. He's so key to a lot of the stuff they do. So keep those guys. If you spend anywhere in free agency, if they're going to go out and drop a coin, and like I said, it won't be cheap to keep J.C. Jackson. Hightower and Myers won't cost that much because restricted free agent contracts are kind of favorable to the team still. But if you're going to spend any money in free agency, go out and get a real wide receiver one. Don't go get four options like you did last year and pay them all money and not only use, barely use any of them. Go get a real wide receiver one. Go get an Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin. Go get one of those three guys if you're going to spend money. If not... I, I don't blame you. This is a very good roster still. You have young guys who can make the next leap. Like there's places for improvement on this roster purely through development that you don't need to go out and spend money. But if you're going to, the thing they still need is a wide receiver one. Am I crazy? And I think a lot of people will get upset with this statement, but I just don't understand Belichick and the Patriots logic in bringing in Hunter Henry and John Smith. If like we're going to enter this offseason and that's going to be I think a lot of people would say that about their offense, right? Like, they need a wide receiver one. Well, you just spent a ton of money on Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, and John Smith. Like, the money you could have theoretically saved or spent on this wide receiver one, like a Chris Godwin, a Devontae Adams, an Allen Robinson, right? And now, you know, they have – they went 20th in offseason resources, right? $8.3 million in available space. And some potential key losses. Like, you lose Devin McCourty, J.C. Jackson, Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins, Juwan Bentley. You lose all those guys in free agency or a handful of those guys in free agency. Your defense immediately takes a step back. Like, this is, in my opinion, really concerning if you see a lot of these guys expected to hit free agency actually test the market because they will move on. And if they do, you have holes on defense. You need this true wide receiver one. And meanwhile, John Smith and Hunter Henry split time at, at starting tight end. That I just think there's a lot of inconsistency in roster building here, and I know that's ridiculous to say because Bill Belichick's the GOAT and easily the best coach of all time. I, I just have concerns with the inconsistency if they do go that direction. You want to hear an, an insane figure that is why we were critical of their moves last offseason. We were critical of it being like, they got a lot of guys. I'm not sure a lot of those guys in offense are difference makers. Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, John U. Smith, and Kendrick Bourne are projected to hit their cap this year for $50 million combined. Those four guys. That's insanity to me. Like, that is just, you have none of those four are legitimately, like I said, a difference maker. Like, a guy who's like one on one, yes, going to that guy every single time. You don't have that on the roster. With $50 million, you could go out and sign New Hopkins and Devontae Adams for that much money. And you have John Smith, Hunter Henry. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. And two of those guys split time as starters, right? Like, that's the other concern, too. Even if you think Hunter Henry's a top five tight end in the NFL, what are you talking about, Mike? Johnny Smith, <laughs> when healthy, is a top yeah. six tight end in the NFL. Well, they don't play all the time. Yeah. They play less of, you know, 50 to 60% of the offensive snaps because they don't run as much 12 personnel as maybe people previously expected. And that, in my opinion, is concerning. Then you combine it, too. I mean, we're not going to try and do an entirely, like, off-season or, like, season preview of the Patriots, yeah. but losing Josh McDaniels will matter for this team. Like, he is coveted as a play caller for the New England Patriots, and that transition for Mac Jones, there's been rumors that they'll bring Bill O'Brien. 
is, is going to be is going to matter, right? I think all that's going to matter. Yeah. All right, before we get to the other teams in the AFC East and then move to the NFC East, the presenting sponsor of this podcast is actually our friends at All Twenty Twenty Out All Twenty Two. They're unveiling the newest fantasy football game that hundreds of PFF employees have been playing. All Twenty Two uses PFF grades as one of its main scoring components and tests your ability to actually build a fifty-three man roster, offensive line included. So, this game that All-22 is building uses PFF grades, at, like I said, as its main scoring system. So if, you know, whatever, you know, some guy has 100 yards receiving, but at like four drops in a single game, his PFF grade will reflect that where his fantasy points won't. Goal of that is players that are blocking well, players that are getting pressures, right, are actually showing up and positively affecting your week-to-week fantasy score. So you're building a legitimate roster of talent, not so much chasing, you know, box score simplicity like yards touchdowns etc if you've ever dreamt of sitting in in an nfl front office if you enjoy the scouting process you're going to want to check out all 22 join the waitlist and on all-22.com with nothing more than your email if you join the waitlist before the nfl draft you'll receive a special promo code for your all 22 subscription waitlist users can even gain access to premium content like the inaugural draft guides in-season strategies Feature release announcements and more. Be sure to follow All22 on underscore PFF on Twitter. All22, less fantasy, more football. Love that tagline for All22. New York, you know, Miami Dolphins, tied for 11th in this conference to win the AFC. I think they're also third in odds to win the division next year. Offseason resources rank, however, eighth with $62.8 million in available cap space and some potential cuts that could add to that. Byron Jones, Adam Butler could save them upwards of $8 million if they move on from those, those guys. Now, free agents they could lose. Emmanuel Ogbo, who stepped up big for them along the edge, and then Mike Kosicki, who is, and, and Will Fuller, two pass-catching weapons for Tua Tungavailoa. The move to make, start with free agency, Miami Dolphins. Talk to every viable offensive tackle starter that is going to hit for agency. That is my <laughs> that is my move to make. And even if it's something as simple as Eric Fisher and Bobby Massey at left tackle and right tackle next year, to me that's a win. If you're the Miami Dolphins, which is sad to say, it's not, yeah, it's not like ideal, but you have to get competency because my God, they did not have competency at not only just tackle, multiple positions along that offensive line. Just liabilities, and that's untenable. It's not a situation we've seen like quarterbacks have long-term success, and so or any offenses have long-term success. So I will say that's what I'm doing if I am the Miami Dolphins. And again, I think I touched on that in the Bills scenario. <laughs> Everyone needs offensive line help. There's going to be a lot of teams looking for it, but the Dolphins have the space and need to go out and actually – Shit, do it. They have to go out and do it. <laughs> like it's, it's been too long coming. You can't rely on development at this point. Even if I do think bringing in a new head coach, offensive line coach, will help there at the very least. I mean, with the space that they have, like why not go get Teron Armstead, right? PFF's number two ranked free agent this offseason. If he does test the market, like go yeah. get yeah. Teron Armstead, the best offensive tackle that's going to be made available. Yeah, he's 30 years old, but man, you desperately need a 30-year-old offensive tackle starting for you that is Teron Armstead. I mean, there's other guys like Morgan Moses, Dwayne Brown, Eric Fisher, Trent Brown, Riley Reef, all that would be upgrades at that position. And they have the cap space to do it, like you said. And they don't have to, you know, put all their chips into a Teron Armstead or a Brandon Scherf at guard, right? They could t- chase an average offensive line and attack guys like maybe Connor Williams and um, other other uh, interior offensive linemen that will be available in free agency. They just need to spend there. Do not do not go into next next season 
with the same crop of five starters that you have. And I know there's a lot of interest in Miami to develop this offensive line because it is a lot of young guys. Mm -hmm. But your window with Tua Tungabailoa on a rookie contract is closing. And do you want to be developing Liam Eikenberg, Robert Hunt, Michael Dieter, and Austin Jackson this entire way? No. All guys that they drafted in the last three or four years? No. You need to go get offensive line help that can help you win now and help develop Tua Tungabailoa now especially with Mike McDaniels coming over and this offense supposedly entering, you know, higher expectations. Yeah, it goes back to that tweet we said, we, we talked about on the fun to read segment from uh, Brian Drake, fantasy analyst, about spending along the offensive line and its correlation very strongly to overall offensive line rank at PFF. The most expensive offensive lineman right now for the Miami Dolphins coming into 2022 in terms of cap hit is Jesse Davis. At $4.6 million. There are offensive lines in the NFL that have five guys making that much. You know, like there are, there are lines that have five established starters all making more than that because it's that important. It, we've seen how much it can hamper you, and especially when you don't have a quarterback who is the elite guys that can overcome it. Two is not there yet. And so when he's not there yet, you got to make the situation better for him. So that's where I'm pouring my resources this offseason. In the draft, I, I think there's more, even more opportunity to to attack, you know, options in the draft. But they don't have the capital, right? I mean, they have the 29th pick in the first round. I have them taking Bernard Raymond, the Central Michigan offensive tackle, who you have ranked as the 15th ranked player in the NFL draft. He falls that far. I know we said we need veteran help there, but adding Bernard Raymond I think would be a huge win. They also have him taking Maje Sanders of Cincinnati in the second round. Getting help in the trenches is, I think, the biggest need for the Miami Dolphins. Mm -hmm. In addition to probably you know adding some receiving talent, especially if um, you know Will Fuller does walk and et cetera. So I, I think where they're at in the draft, like I said, put the money out in free agency. Go spend for those. Then pray your young guys develop. And in the draft, 29th could be a prime spot to get like a nice athlete at wide receiver. You can get a real other, another tertiary threat at wide receiver at that position. Whereas 29, maybe you can get a starting guard, but you're not going to get the starting tackle that mm -hmm. they've been desperately looking for. New York Jets last in the AFC East here. Offseason resources rank, however, first. Ooh. They have a lot of money. And a lot of draft capital, the fourth overall pick, the 10th overall pick, and $48.2 million in available cap space. Don't screw this up. <laughs> you know, I can think of a team that was in a similar spot three or four years ago in Las Vegas Raiders who had three first-round picks and a lot of cap space when they go spend it on Corey Littleton, LaMarcus Joyner, Tyrell Williams, Jonathan Abram, you know, Josh Jacobs, and it doesn't pan out, right? And yeah. Cleveland Furl. And you just botched this opportunity to legitimately, legitimately upgrade your team. The Jets are in that same position, or at least near that same position. First in offseason resources rank, $48.2 million, two top 10 picks. Starting in free agency, where do they go? Yeah, so like the old Jets, you know, that I've known for most of my life, the ones that love to win the offseason, they would have gone out and threw a bag at, you know, Chris Godwin or Allen Robinson. I, that's not, if I'm throwing the bag at anyone for those New York Jets, it's Brandon Scherf. That's the guy who I want for the New York Jets. I want this offensive line as solid as can possibly be because you had Zach Wilson going from the best offensive line in college football relative to competition level in terms of like the single best situation to play behind offensive line-wise in college football to, I wouldn't call it the worst situation in the NFL, but one of as a rookie. And 
this play suffered because of it. It was not what they had expected. Now you have to, again, go back to improving that. You cannot put him behind that once again. So not a full Miami Dolphins sort of rebuild along this offensive line because they do have pieces. You, you expect Elijah Vera Tucker to come to be better in year two. Mekhi Becton obviously out all last year. He'll be back. I think you can even roll with George Fan at right tackle. That's not that massive of a hit if he stays on the roster and is your tackle of the future, even if you might be in a very good spot, number four overall, to get a starting tackle as well. Um, but I don't think it's go out and get a wide receiver. I think you'll be in a great position at number 10 or number four overall, whatever one, to go pick a wide receiver that can make an impact for this roster. I think cornerback, offensive line is where I'm going if I'm New York Jets. And not even like spending a ton of money at cornerback from the Jets. Like you can even go get Casey Hayward or Kyle Fuller or some like older reclamation ish project e corner that can fit your system. But don't go throwing money wildly like the old Jets. This is not, still not the year. Zach Wilson could make a massive, massive stride. You're still too far away. You've got to build it the right way first. And so don't blow through all the cap space is the other thing here. Don't take your pants around. Why not Why not get one of these receivers in free agency, though? I do. I mean, I know you said don't break the – You have Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. You have – a good base with those two. And like I said, you're in a prime spot to get probably the wide receiver one in the draft. Why go out and get a 30 year old to pay a lot? Who's not going to be there for Zach Wilson, as opposed to, like I said, you can get Drake London at 10 and have him and Elijah Moore be with Zach Wilson's entire career. If you want, what about, that, what about, okay, like just can't throw some receivers at you. Yeah. Maybe it's not Devonte Adams. Maybe it's not Chris Godwin. Okay. Mike Williams, Allen Robinson. But then again, like two... you sign one of those guys, you're, you're not drafting one is the problem. Yeah. And I think okay. Okay. Well, Michael Gallup. Michael yeah. Gallup. Current projected contract two years, twelve mil. That's Corey Davis again. You know. I just think it's a lot better than who their third pass catching option I just would be would, unless they get their receiver. At I just would rather spend that money, like I said, offensive line, or to fill out this defense, because I think you you have a base of playmakers and you can find another one with the draft picks that you do have. You're just going to be in a prime spot with the draft picks you have to find one, whether it's. The, just one of the two firsts should be in a good spot for you. So say they do follow that plan in free agency, right? They attack the offensive line. They add starters, not like crown jewels, not break the bank level players on defense, but starters on defense. What are you doing at number four overall and number 10 overall? And my latest mock draft had Derek Stingley and the top receiver available at the time. Drake London went at nine. Then we had Garrett Wilson going to them at 10. I like the combination of, Kyle Hamilton or Derek Stingley at four. Mm -hmm. They could go offensive line. I think a lot of Jets fans are excited about that. Maybe Nicky Aquanu, a Charles Cross, and Evan Neal if he's available at four, especially with the Mackay Becton injury being concerning. But one of those two top defensive backs I do think would be a quality investment at four. Yeah. And then at 10, it's best receiver available, which very well could be PFS wide receiver Drake London, and if not, a Garrett Wilson, a Chris Olave at 10. And you don't even need – I don't even think you need to go one of those top 10 picks, though, at wide receiver. Like, I, I, if Drake London there is there at 10 – I would be hard-pressed to pass on him with that offense and with what they need. But if he's – if, say, I don't know, say Derek Stanley falls at 10 and you got, I don't know, Charles Cross at four. Say that's your – I'd be fine going Stingley at 10 and then just waiting because you have two, two picks at the top of the second round. You have yours and you have Carolina's. That, and we've said they found Elijah Moore there last year. T. Higgins and Michael Pittman the year before that. D. Will Samuel the year before that. There's wide receiver talent will fall to the top of the second round 
whether it's Jahan Dotson this year. Um, Scott Moore? I'm trying to think who else. Chris Olave could even be there at the top of the second round. Like that, to me, I would much rather wait on that position with the draft capital they have than to go out and just throw another big contract at a wide receiver. Shall we move to the NFC East? Yes. Dallas Cowboys, the number one ranked team in the division in terms of winning the NFC. They have the fourth ranked odds according to DraftKings. They're also the betting favorite to win that division at minus 175. They rank 28th in offseason resources rank, according to PFF. Minus $21.4 million available cap space. Have one of the worst contracts in the NFL in Ezekiel Elliott's contract. We've talked about that in a previous podcast. Could lose free agents. Michael Gallup, Connor Williams, LVE, Gregory, Casey. And there are some potential cuts, right, or trade opportunities. Demarcus Lawrence at 8 mil, Amari Cooper 16 mil. There's no way they cut Amari Cooper, but they could move on from Amari Cooper uh, via trade. This is going to be a tough offseason for Dallas to enter it and say we're going to rapidly improve, right? Like they have to maintain talent more so than they're going to go bring in, you know, two or three upgrades at different positions, uh, at different starting positions. Yeah, I just wrote move to make here, just hold the line. Like really just try to keep as much intact as possible. I mean, it was a good team. This was this was a team that I think was as good as anyone in the NFC at their best. Like, when they were at their best, they were as good as any other team in the NFC. So, like, they had chances. They just banged up along the offensive line at times this last year. I think that will, if you just improve the health there, solidify that next year. I don't think that's a massive, like, problem issue that has to be addressed in free agency or whatever. I know Cowboys fans are panicking, but like that's still, even with the injuries, was still a very good offensive line. It's just maybe not the elite offensive line they've been used to in years past. Um, I would be open to trading in Demarcus Lawrence, Mark Cooper. I would love to maintain and sign Randy Gregory, but like I said, this that offseason resource ranked 28th, well over the cap. They just don't have many spots to create space. And I do worry that Demarcus Lawrence won't be on this roster, whether it is via cut or via trade uh, this upcoming season. A teaser to an article coming out tomorrow from Brad Spielberger, who's a a cap analyst here at PFF. He has the Dallas Cowboys trading Amari Cooper uh, in in, in this offseason to save some of that money, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I would absolutely love that. His his proposed trade is a – 2022 second round pick and a 2022 fifth round pick the dallas cowboys take on six million in dead money and the jacksonville jaguars take on a three-year 60 million dollar contract for amari cooper i could see that happening right i think that makes sense for both sides jacksonville trying to get you know significantly better um pass catchers you know Mm -hmm. rather than like completely going to the draft for that they have a very young receiving core already going and getting like a proven wide out like amari cooper for a second and a fifth and it helps the cowboys a ton in saving some of this money as they desperately need to with minus 21.4 million dollars in projected cap space right now for the draft i had them taking Kenyon green the interior offensive lineman at texas a&m dallas cowboys fans have dm'd me saying they like that pick they want Kenyon green yeah. they know connor williams could be leaving via free agency your reaction to a Kenyon green or is there a certain position a certain player that you're locking into at that spot you had Kenyon green i had tyler linderbaum i think Devonte wyatt would make a ton of sense to the georgia defensive tackle because those are probably weak link positions right now obviously you would like to get a better number two corner, but they've drafted guys there second and third rounder last year they took. So that's, they probably won't go out and sign any, you're definitely not going out and signing anyone like that. And the way the draft falls though, could be value there. I could see 
you know, Kyrie Elam being on the board and being a fit for that defense. So TBD on that. But like I said, I think interior line, interior D line are like the really positions where you could get a quick upgrade via the draft. Philadelphia Eagles, they're an interesting case. They have been a very fun team. This is terrible analysis. Fun team to oh, talk about yeah. for offseason for the offseason because they have so many first round picks and um, an interesting quarterback situation, etc. But they rank tied for eighth in their odds to win the AFC NFC. I believe they're also uh, plus 350 to win the division. They're second in odds. Washington Commanders are plus 550. Giants are plus 1,000. Eagles plus 350. Second behind the Cowboys at minus 175. Offseason resources rank even with those three first round picks. Only 11th because they only have $21 million in cap space. Not a lot of notable free agents that could leave Philly and not a lot of movable contracts, right? There's not a lot of stuff that they can do to clear up cap space. Jason Kelsey, a notable free agent for them that could come back. Uh, Derek Barnett, another one. But still, uh, no no world beaters potentially leaving via free agency. Yeah, that's – Kelsey won. They already have Dickerson in tow as possible center replacement. Um they, I struggle with what the Eagles should do because I, we said last year that like, yeah, they, they just have too much money tied up in veterans. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they have not drafted well enough over the past four years to try to, you know, run it back, so to speak, and really try to like keep all these guys there and make everything work because you got Brandon Graham at 34 years old, Lane Johnson at 32 years old, Fletcher Cox at 32 years old. Brandon Brooks, who just retired. Like, you have a lot of guys who are – Jason Kelsey at 35 who might retire. Like, a lot of core pieces to this roster that won you the Super Bowl are not the same guys anymore. Mm-hmm. But you're still good enough to make playoffs. And, again, a lot of that's depending on having a quarterback on a rookie deal. And so I had them trading for Russell Wilson in my mock draft as a proposed trade. If I'm them, I, that's not what I do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I go out and get a veteran. I think I want to stay cheap. And I think the more and more I look at it, the more I want to draft with a 15th, 16th, or 19th pick one of these quarterbacks to just get him in the fold, to just take another chance. And I even just take another chance to have another guy who's cheap for mm-hmm. the next five years. To where Jalen Hurts, is, if say he's okay for the next two years, and you're like, I don't want, like he's not a franchise guy, but he's fine. Well, you got another guy who's cheap for two years. They draft him in the first round that you've been developing behind him. Because I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to shy away from competition. I don't think he's the type of personality that's going to, like Carson Wentz did, crumble mm-hmm. when you draft a guy who's his potential replacement, maybe. And like I said, they have to be cheap to maintain this sort of roster. And so without a ton of cap space, I think the position I would attack in free agency, because I know they're not going to attack in the draft, is linebacker. Go out and get, even if it's Leighton Van Der Esch, even if it's Jayon Brown, ideally like a Devondre Campbell in free agency, go pay one of these linebackers to just raise the floor mm-hmm. at that position because they were so bad. They've, they've been so bad there that that's, that's probably how I would address this offseason because, like I said, not a ton of flexibility right now the way they've built out with the contracts they have in this roster. I'd also love to see them in free agency potentially, potentially attack the secondary, right? Because they could be losing some safeties. Anthony Harris and Rodney McLeod both projected to hit free agency. Yes, they have Kayvon Wallace, but more projected as a slot corner. Steven Nelson could hit free agency. I don't love um, just having Darius Slay out there, right? I think they need help. And there are there yeah. is some talent in free agency in the secondary. Casey Hayward, Carlton Davis, Stephon Gilmore, you know, some of the top blue chip, you know, not blue chip, but top end guys are JC Jackson, Jackson and Marcus Williams. But even if you come away with a Dante Jackson, 
or you know, Bryce Callahan to come in and play the slot. Like there is some opportunity there, maybe even re-signing Steven Nelson. I think that's where my eyes go for free agency. And then in the draft, in my mock draft, it's one of my, my favorite Eagles mocks that I think I've done. And a lot of my mocks for the Eagles have had them going quarterback with one of those selections. I decided not to do that. I said, hey, we're committing to Jalen Hurts. He's still on a rookie contract. Yeah, we could get cheap at the position and continue to swing the bat on finding our quarterback of the future, but let's do it by supporting him first. David Ajabo at 15, Andrew Booth at 16, and then Devin Lloyd at 19. All defense, all day, all day long. And then even at the top of this, or in the second round, I have them getting safety Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. Just, just throwing the kitchen sink at approving that defense and hoping that Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith, develop into you know, top-tier pass-catching weapons for them. Dallas Goddard continues to be a top-end tight end for Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts takes this next step, right? I think that's where my head goes. I think they need dramatic, dramatic injections of talent on the defensive side of the ball, as evidenced by, obviously, you know, where they go uh, in the mock draft I had. Yeah. Yeah. You just say yeah to that. Yeah. I mean, it was – what? <laughs> All right, Washington Commanders then. Washington Commanders, 12th in offseason odds to win the NFC. Um, they're also 12th in offseason resources ranked with $31.9 million in available cap space. Needs in a handful of places. If they let Brandon Scherf go, that's an obvious need. They still need a quarterback. I had them trading for Russell Wilson in my latest mock draft, two first-round picks, and I think a third or a second-round pick for Russell Wilson because I don't think this roster is one, and you've said this too, that needs a quarterback on a rookie deal to win, right? Like they need a quarterback on a next contract that's ready to win now, you know, borderline mm-hmm. top six, top eight quarterback, which I think that's Russell, what Russell Wilson is or can be in a good situation. I think that the Washington football team, that roster is in a good situation. Landon Collins, by the way, who is a potential cut, they could save $6.5 million. That's their biggest cap hit in 2021. It's the only team in the NFL where their biggest cap hit in 2021 is a safety. And that is, is just that, and that, in my opinion, is just bad roster construction. Moving on from Landon Collins and allocating that money elsewhere would be a massive win for them and would allow them to bring back a Brandon Scherf and potentially to add some other pieces in free agency as well. Yeah, when they signed Collins, it was kind of that classic, like, that's a, that's a play that bad teams make, like throwing out massive dough to a box safety and then having him change schemes to not play him in the box as much and then him refusing to play linebacker and all this other shit. Like, I think it's time to move to close the book on that move. And like you said, the, the move to make this offseason is to make a play for a quarterback. It just is. And we said how the Eagles probably aren't in that situation because they're paying a lot of older talent. The, the, the commanders aren't. Their impact players are rookie deal guys for the most part. Now they've spent some money at cornerback um, and need to get better results there. So they could even make a play for a quarterback and still have some space. One guy I would love to make add to this roster is Anthony Barr linebacker get a veteran presence next to Jamin Davis get a guy who's like similarly tooled or they can be like similar players like a guy he could like learn from how to play the position in Anthony Barr who was a guy who had to learn it himself like was a defensive end in college switches to offside off ball linebacker or was an edge guy in college switches to off ball linebacker and what has been productive there I think adding him and what he could do as a pass rush and blitzer to this front seven is a move I would make so quarterback Anthony Barr, or just a veteran linebacker, that's your free agency if you're, or that's your pre-draft if you're the Washington Commanders. In the draft, if they stay put, you you don't have you don't want them staying put at eleven, right? You want they them want them just, flipping that pick. Yeah, that's, yeah, you yeah. want them flipping that pick, and I guess, but a lot of the mock drafts, right, have them going Malik Willis or Matt Crowell, whoever it is at eleven. Is that? 
I mean, how bad? I mean, that's obviously not your ideal scenario. You want them moving yeah. that pick for a veteran, but how bad of a scenario is that? Because it's what I'm kind of consistently seeing. It's just not ideal. It, you're kind of relegating yourself to a couple more years of what you've seen so far, which is below 500 play, like a below 500 football team, which is what they've been the last years. New York Giants, last on our list here on our offseason free agency regain re plan here. 15th ranked team in the NFC. You're so uh, exasperated how you said that. Yeah. The New York Giants, last team. New York Giants, offseason resources ranked 10, minus 12. We saved, I don't want to say the worst for last, but this is a this is not good. They do not have a lot of cap space. Minus $12 million in cap space. I think they're in bottom three in available cap space right now. They could cut some people. James Bradbury saves them 12 mil. Kyle Rudolph saves them five. Shepard saves them four and a half. Blake Martinez saves them eight. Like the Leonard Williams contract is one of the worst contracts in the NFL. Like they are not in a good situation from a cap perspective. Dave Gettleman did not do them any favors there. And they could lose some starters, right? Nate Solder, Will Hernandez, Jabril Peppers, Evan Ingram all could hit free agency. I don't know how the Giants come out of this offseason, one where they desperately need to improve, upgrading in a lot of areas, right? Outside of the draft with the two first-round picks, they're obviously going to get starters there. But free agency is not going to be a fun time for Giants fans. They're not going to come out of like, wow, we really added some pieces. This is Daniel Jones's year. Yeah, this is the slash and burn year. Every shit contract on this roster just got to go. You just got to go. You can't. You can't you got to figure out a way to get out of the Leonard Williams thing. And like we said, that was the number one worst contract. If you listen to last week's mailbag that we named in the top five worst contracts in the NFL, because there's not a great way to get out from underneath it, but he's costing you $27.3 million against the books this year. You have Kyle Rudolph, a 33 year old tight end who has never been a receiving tight end costing you 7.4 million on your books this year, which is absolutely insane. He was, like a street free agent there. No one even wanted him, and they gave him two-year $12 million. Logan Ryan's costing you $12.2 million this year against the Bucs. Sterling Shepard, $12.5 million. Blake Martinez, $14 million. Kenny Galladay, $21.1 million. James Bradbury, $21.8 million. That's just malpractice. And you, maybe not all of those guys have to go, but as many as you could possibly stomach because – while, yeah, some of them are talented players, none of them at this point are worth those figures. They just aren't. I had a tweet in December of last year where over 50% of the Giants' 2022 cap space is currently slated to go to Leonard Williams, James Bradbury, Kenny Galladay, Adoree Jackson, Blake Martinez, Sterling Shepard. Those six players are going to cost half of the money the Giants can spend on players. And would you, I mean, wh who would you argue of those players is even top 10 at their position, right? That's, I mean, not any of the bottom yeah. four, right? Not Galladay, not Jackson, not Martinez, not Shepard. Maybe Leonard Williams, maybe, maybe, maybe James Bradbury. That is obviously concerning. And I think that's honestly was the bigger era in the, in the Gettleman era, the bigger error in the Gettleman era. Yeah was how he approached free agency, right? Was, and yeah, I know the draft wasn't great either, right? The squad Barkley pick, you know, all that yeah. stuff was not great. Like, he did not prioritize positional value, consistently went after interior defensive linemen and, and, and running backs, et cetera. Yeah. But, like, the contracts he gave out, I mean, holy crap, have put them in such a bad bind. Yeah, it, it wasn't even – that wasn't even, like, a talent identification problem. And, and kind of, like, what we keep saying here at PFF, like, the biggest edges in football and – manage it and basically like 
everyone thinks of you hire a GM for his theoretical ability to identify talent. Oh, this guy's so good at it. And that's no, like the, the bigger edges are contract management, not giving out, like understanding where price points are for players and how good they are respective to the rest of the league and positional valuation in the draft, like identifying positions that can save you a lot from the cap. Like every decision you make in the NFL in terms of like when paying a player, drafting a player, whatever, you have to have the cap in mind when doing so. And consistently, Dave Gettleman, biggest downfall was never having the cap in mind when making any of these plays. Just saying, I want this guy. I want Leonard Williams. I'll do whatever it takes to do so. And that's just bad way. Everything has a price. Everything should have a price. and Everything should have a value to you. And that was not the case for the New York Giants. Dude, when I taught, when I first tweeted about the Leonard Williams contract, it, it, calling it insane, that when he signed him in March 2021, March 2021, it ranked second behind Aaron Donald in average value per year, tied for fourth among edge defenders. And every Giants fan replying, quote tweeting this is what? Gettleman knows talent. Gettleman understands defensive line talent. I just still don't understand. Fun fact, too, I met Leonard Williams in Chicago at the Bean. I took a picture of him. It was great. Um, did you go up to him just on the street? I or did. Or, it was kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Hindsight, I, I wish I didn't do it. You're the kind of guy that approaches strangers, famous people on the street. I shouldn't have done it. Know. I shouldn't have done it. That's I shouldn't have done it. You're going to be fun to hang out with when you go to L.A. <laughs> just I going up to people left and right. Can I say this? I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> Also, this picture, I look like a homeless person. Oh, yeah, I mean, I look like a homeless person in most pictures, but like this one, like is really especially bad. like really. He, he bad. was like thought he was. He's like, do you need money after? He gave me a dollar, but I don't <laughs> think it was related. Uh, um, let's get to the fun to read segment, the save your likes, oh. the power rankings, all that stuff. His mother's not even high on him. Oh, wait, Giants in the draft again. Oh, okay. Reverse course attack valuable positions, whatever that may be, corner edge. Offense tackle, wide receiver, quarterback, whatever. Those positions, draft them. Don't worry about the others. In That's my mock draft, my two-round mock draft, I had them, fortunately, which I think this would be a dream scenario for them, is getting Evan Neal, the offensive tackle out of Alabama, at five. I think that would be awesome mm -hmm. to pair with Andrew Thomas, who's one of the biggest improvers in PFF grade this past year among all players. And at seven, I had them getting George Karloftis. And then in the second round, I had them getting Kingsley and Agbarik. I said trenches, trenches, valuable players, valuable yep. players the whole way through. I think there is some hope from Giants fans about getting Kayvon Thibodeau at five. There's conversation about him sliding. Tom McShay mm -hmm. now has him as the number seven overall player after conversations with people at the Senior Bowl. Can we talk about that a little bit, the Kayvon Thibodeau stuff? Because I had him going number two overall at the Detroit Lions, and I think a lot of people are souring on Thibodeau as a lock to be the number one or number two overall player because of these conversations you're hearing or these rumors that you're hearing about. The sunglasses indoors. The sunglasses indoors, him having his own crib. And we've made jokes about it. But, like, I have not felt that any of that stuff – is an indictment of the type of football player he is. So, like, I mean, no. he still was phenomenal and is going to test phenomenally. I, I, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if, like, go ahead. What are you gonna say? No, keep going. I, I have a story. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm gonna be. I feel like I'll be kind of shocked if these like Todd McShay led rumors. And no, like, this is no slight towards Todd McShay. I believe what he's hearing. I'm not like discrediting what he said. But Todd McShay has driven a lot of this discourse, right? Where like, hey, I talked to a lot of people at the Senior Bowl and NFL evaluators not buying him in, buying him as this number one, number two overall player. And then since that, since that podcast, the first draft podcast with Todd McShay, he's fallen down your board. He's fallen down McShay's board. He's fallen down mock drafts on consensus. Like, is that enough? Is that enough? Like, he has not played another snap. Like, is that enough to like legitimately, like this guy was like, the favorite to go number one overall. And then like, we hear some rumors that some teams don't really like him. And now he's like fucking dropping. 
Well, I mean, it's probably the teams like he's dropping because it's probably the teams that are like are in a position are the ones saying, yeah, like, you know, like, like the you're Lions, not, you're not team. asking like the Bills, hey, do you like Kayvon Thibodeau? No, yeah. I, I could care less. Like they they have a vested That's interest, fair. and even them, like they have a vested interest in saying he sucks. They would want him to fall to twenty nine. Yeah. So my story was going to be that I got a text on Super Bowl Sunday from my ex girlfriend saying, do you know a football player named Kayvon? And I'm like Kayvon Thibodeau. She's like, yeah, I'm at his Super Bowl party. I'm like, okay, cool. Was uh, it sick? I was like, I didn't. Act, I was like, give me some dirt, and then she never responded. But I'm gonna. I should hit her up and be like, she was She's probably not responding to you. I mean, she was probably blacked out. But I, I'll. Jesus, dude, which ex was this? Can you drag her through the calls like this? You know, I wonder ex, what Kayvon Thibodeau's you, you Super know Bowl party was like. Is. Um, I want to know what it was like. That's what I'm going to ask her because I guess – or not blacked out, but she was probably drinking at the time. Didn't respond. I'll have to text her and see. Hey, definitely get, keep get us some updated for the podcast. That's yeah. really good research for us. I really appreciate that. Um, before we get to the fun segments of the Monday pod, the fun to read, save your likes, et cetera, some proud sponsors of the Tailgate podcast. Western Southern is sponsored by Western – or no, Tailgate is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and Retirement Solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Another proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast is DraftKings. And man, once DraftKings becomes legal in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we have the four TV setup at the house, it is going to be next level. Betting on, I'll be betting on NHL. I'll be betting on women's volleyball. I'll be betting on everything. I'll be betting on everything because we'll have the four TV setup. Hoops fans, oh, they have my, this is my favorite read. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. How good am I talking, Mike? I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL team, or no, NBA, any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 years or older, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdictions. Use DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. PFF basketball team at their first outing. I need to join that Sunday. team. I heard you, you guys were dogged. I mean, like just um, from a stamina perspective, you guys need some people on the yeah. bench. Yeah. I, so I hadn't played in probably five months or so. But we won the first game. We're getting toasted in the second game, and we're just like, can we end it? Like, I, I, had, I couldn't sub back in. I had a blister, one of the biggest blisters I ever had in my foot. It was very painful, actually on both feet. Um so we just like ended the second game, probably like five minutes into the second half. <laughs> we're just like, that's, that's it. Um, but we had, a, we we need to get the we need to get back in playing shape. But we have some talent. We have enough. Well, I'm coming to help. Come help. I'm coming to help. Um, fun I just, to read. And I also just texted my ex. What what do you think of Kevin Tibbetts? So TBD. Nice man. I love that yeah. freaking research. Good research. Love that research. My ex was not at Kayvon Thibodeau's Super Bowl party. She did not text me. Uh, Emmanuel Acho, we don't all have to agree with no, each. This one's – can I set the stage for this one? Please do. Okay, sorry. So so Emmanuel Acho, friend of mm, – I, I almost said friend of the show. He's more just like a uh, frequent fun to read uh, participant, shall we say, because I don't think he's actually a friend of the show. I did meet him once um, when he was with the Eagles. But this whole sort of back and forth he had – with Doug Gottlieb is great because it harkens back to what we talked about on last week's show about his brother, Sam Macho, who works for ESPN, Emmanuel works for Fox. 
um, saying that Patrick Holmes wasn't top five quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And so Doug Gottlieb, who also works at Fox, I believe, at least Fox Radio, said, if you don't think Pat Mahomes is one of the five best QBs in football, you probably shouldn't talk about football for a living or to friends or to strangers. And which to is that, not an absurd take. Which is probably, like, the correct take. Like, if you don't have Pat Mahomes top five quarterback, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why. But then Manuel Acho quote tweets him and says, you got a real slick mouth for being a backup on the court and on television. You got to pick a struggle. So Manuel Acho comes at him personally after a guy saying that his analysis was bad. And then Acho and Gottlieb says, when you have no defense for your brother's indefensible take, you go at the messenger. And then Acho replies, my brother's take was trash, but so is your career as a pro athlete and on-air personality. So we can agree there is trash all around. You keep talking slick on Twitter like you somebody. Ask Colin Coward to take a day off so you can get some airtime again. And then Acho goes for a master class tweet. The next one in this thread. This is not a thread. So this is just him as a standalone tweet. Probably like five minutes later, he says, We don't all have to agree with each other's sports opinions. But what we will do and can do is respectfully disagree. That's <laughs> insane. We tweet things that people would never say to their face as if there's not someone on the other end of the screen receiving those words. After Acho just literally called him trash, is <laughs> said your career is trash, is not an honor personality is trash. Like the cognitive dissonance to not see was unbelievable there. I mean, I, I, I honestly think that it, conversation cannot enter a good place because it starts with just an absurd take. Like there's like it's never going to get to a point of clarity. Like yeah. the the take like the root of the argument, the root the start of all of that was Patrick Holmes is the top five quarterback in the NFL. And at that point, if, like what are we even yeah. talking about? If like you're what, Manuel Acho trying to defend that. Yeah, that's absurd. That's absurd. Like you're gonna turn that into like we can disagree with people on this app and like in terms of like this respect thing, it's like, no, do you realize that this conversation just legitimately started with someone saying Patrick Mahomes? The favorite, like the like the quarterback of the team that's favored to win the Super Bowl next year, is not a top five quarterback in the NFL. The highest paid quarterback in the NFL is not a top five quarterback in the NFL. MVP, four time AFC Championship participant. I I, I I just like I don't think that conversation could have gotten to any point of like yeah. actual like yeah. legitimacy yeah. if it's like rooted in and like that topic. For, and like Gottlieb isn't like the the most accurate of takes men. Like he, he's. He has his out there shit as well, but for him to come out looking, so for him to come out looking like the high, the sort of moral high ground in this is wild to me. That he he ends up coming out looking good in this, but what a take by Acho! What a take. On to the savior like segment, which this is honestly a savior like celebration on Sunday. This is it. First Sunday without football, the NFL kind of kicks us off. This is eleven thirty seven a.m. ET with what is a weird picture of Odell Beckham Jr. crying. Like, it's not a great face. Like, I get he was really emotional. I think it was after they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And uh, Literally, a guy crying probably because he tore his ACL and might not play next year. Great not great. Great photo to use. But the floodgates were open. Everyone realized that football wasn't on TV and had to let you know what were football some, like, was, what was not, the in fact, best on TV. tweet from that? There's not any. There was, like, saying that football is not on TV is not – a good take because everyone feels it we get so, it our, our own Ari Mero Sundays shit. are so empty without football 15,000 likes <laughs> Annie Agar it's Sunday and no one is playing football I guess we all feel like Jags fans today 
10,000 likes. Let's not get into that conversation. Um, 29 more Sundays without Still football, like. 400 likes. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's a non-take. And I, now there were some people out there. It's like you can't, you can't police people. Some people are sad that there's no football on Sunday. You just don't have to tweet out like no football on Sunday. You know, you don't, you don't. It's a non-take. All right, his mother isn't even that high on him. Mm. One of my favorite segments. It's it's not a recurring segment because you don't you don't get one every week. But when you do, you cherish it. And this one was a. This one was a. This one's a. This one's a, from a true friend of the show, Brett Coleman. Love. His analysis met him at the Shrine Bowl. Great dude, but this take was a your mother is his mother. I can't tell if it's a joke because it is such an absurd take. Brett Coleman says the main reason I'll give in public for why I want Christian Watson to the Vikings. Christian Watson, the Senior Bowl receiver, who North Coast State went to North Coast State at twelve, number twelve overall in the draft is because it's a great fit. But the real reason, and this is a joke, is that it would force Sharif to root for an NDSU player, and we just can't pass up that opportunity. Like, if he actually supports Christian Watson as the number 12 overall pick, like, that I just, I don't think he's, someone's, I don't think he's being some, truthful. Someone said, at 12, question mark, and he said, I like him a lot. Wow. I, he didn't, like, he didn't say, I'm joking, but, like, but I need CR if watching him. He was like, no, he likes him 12th overall. Which... If I, did I like a mock draft, if I did a mock draft with Christian Watson going 12th overall, I think I would have been fired. <laughs> you wouldn't have because you would have to fire yourself. True. But I like Christian. Like, he's a top 100 player in the PFF draft board. If you're saying he should go 12th, you're saying he's probably better a prospect than Jameson Williams, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Traylon Burks, like that's a strong statement, is what I'm saying. Like that's strong. And the thing about Christian Watkins, like why I, you know, very talented, six for four, we can get off line scrimmage for that. Rare to see at the guy that size, very flexible, can jump out the gym. Like he'll probably test well athletically at Indy. Is he doesn't actually have as good of ball skills as you'd expect. Like big wide receiver, looks like a basketball player, but doesn't actually make that many catches that are tough, so to speak. Like outside frame, like he's capable, but. 12 of 35 in contested catches over the course of his college career. 12 drops on 96 career catchable and some like concerning actual drops. Those aren't just like a lot of those were body catches gone wrong. Easy ones where he mistracked it. Like there are real question marks that those drops will translate to the NFL. So that's why his mother isn't even that high on him. Closing out the show today. Appreciate everyone who's been listening live or watching live on YouTube power rankings i think it's my new favorite segment on the show because it does do a really a really good job of peeling back some of our rankings here this one is things to do on a sunday with no football yes. which is fantastic which is fantastic you go ahead and kick not, off not a summer sunday but like this lull here of february spring weather might not be ideal but there's no football on tv still which so not you're officially saying not a summer sunday a spring sunday yeah. summer sunday is different than a spring sunday yes so okay so let's call these our official spring sunday with no football yeah, rankings like, yep. we'll have to get to our summer football summer sunday summer sunday with no football rankings as well okay. all right even still my number one is an afternoon round of golf even if it's cold cold golf very underrated you just got to dress accordingly and you got to walk if you're riding a cart trying to play cold golf it's miserable walking much more enjoyable legs are warm you feel warmer. You're having a better time. Afternoon round of golf on a Sunday with no football. 
this could Fantastic. be this could be my number one but yeah. i have to admit i have never played a round of golf i've never <sighs> i've only ever mini golfed i used to mini golf with my brother and it was it was solid but i've yeah. never actually swung a golf club on a real course i have done it in vegas yeah you did a top golf top golf and i looked like a fool you didn't put that in there mind it wasn't good it wasn't good it wasn't good but I'm happy to try it. I would love to try it. Maybe this spring Sunday, I mean, head out, do an afternoon round of golf. Mine was work at a coffee shop, which I do I do stand by that. I love, especially spring Sundays. Spring Sundays, where it's the first few Sundays without football, where, like, normally you're just, like, grinding from, like, fucking 9 a.m. to, like, 1 a.m. watching every single game and working on stuff and all that stuff. Working at a coffee shop where it's a little bit calmer, you can get ahead on things, you can get ahead of the week. That is my ideal spring Sunday, honestly. And I will be doing that every Sunday. <laughs> I will be doing that every Sunday through, here through the draft at least. At least. Now, summer Sundays, hopefully there's some hungover ones. Hopefully there's some chill times. But spring Sundays, working at a cop shop, getting ahead of the week as we prepare for the draft is definitely my number one thing. Spring Sunday work. Whatever it's you got to do. Number two for you. Number two for me. This one's fake. You're a fake for person. For no, me. this one's real. Try out a new brewery slash bar. Working all football season, you don't get to, you know, see the city as much as usual. And what do you do, like, go out? You like to go to, like, the place that you like already. Spring Sunday, you have a little more time. You try out a new place. I tried out a new place yesterday. It was a good time. Somerset Bar here in... Somerset's awesome. I've been there before. It was super cool. Now, I think the fact that you add... So, in your notes here, so you're kind of a liar. In your notes, you have brewery. And it's like, okay, you wrote brewery, and I was like, dude, you've never been. When's the last time you've been to a fucking brewery? I meant like, yeah, okay, I meant like a bar. You meant brewery a bar. slash bar. Yeah, yeah. But you. But brewers are to- better. Brewers are better on a Sunday, like a weekday, or like now it's a week, a Sunday, but like during the day, where there's less lower stakes. But you don't of, drink craft beer. I try craft beers, and I like to make fun. Of when's them. the last time? Yeah. <laughs> when's the last time you've gone to I a try brewery and, like, and have like, has, okay, when's the last time you've gone to a brewery and had like a flight of their beers? Uh, I don't do a flight. Exactly. I'll, do a full no, like, beer. That's what people I'll try go a new for. full beer. Okay. Okay. I just okay. feel like you're fake for that. Regardless, my second ranked thing. Probably was... last spring was the last time I did it. <laughs> <laughs> On a spring Sunday, I put uh, grind out any new shows, movies, or video games. Kind of, I know that's a lot, and maybe I'm cheating by compiling all of those, but it is like, again, like when you are working in the, or not even working, like I'm not trying to sound like an asshole. Like I work all football season, but like if you're a football fan, even you're watching football all day, Sundays, Yeah. you know, and the people are like, Oh, have you seen Peaky Blinders? Have you seen Ozark? Have you seen the latest this, this, or this? You're like, no, on Sundays I watch, why is my computer doing that? I listen to this, this, and this. I, in my opinion, like using Sundays to like, you could turn on a new show. You could turn on a, a new movie that you haven't seen before. It's like new, mm-hmm. new available screen time that you previously had spent on red zone for eight hours and then Sunday night football for the last yeah. four. My third one. I agree with that one. That one probably should be my third one. My third one is actually talk to your family. You're so fake for this. You are so fake for this. <laughs> that one's a joke. <laughs> I was kidding right in that. Uh, but number three, I, it was actually going to be like binge, binge, watch TV, binge, watch TV, binge, watch shows. I've been recently watching. I watched two shows recently. I wanted to yeah. open the catch and only buzz with it, but I watched Tinder Swindler. Have okay. you seen Tinder Swindler? I'm not. It's a two-hour movie documentary about this guy who, like, uh, okay, I'm going to kind of explain it to you. It's a little bit of a spoiler. It's don't a really spoiler. I want to it's, it's a documentary, though. It's not really a spoiler. You're just telling what the documentary is. No, I, I don't want to hear Okay, it. fine. Yeah. Well, the Tinder Swindler, you should watch it, and then we should have some takes on it. And then yeah. uh, watch Euphoria recently. And then I also turned on the sec- second season of Love is Blind. Love is Blind. 
is from a content perspective is chef's kiss. Those producers are in their bags producing elite, elite level content for Love is Blind. You need to go watch some Love is Blind. Nick Lachey's on it? Nick Lachey is not on it. He hosts it for like three minutes in the first episode and then you like never see him again. I high-fived his son. I don't know if you should bring that up. Number three, I this one's an interesting take, but I'm, I I want to hear your response. Shop for fun but productive stuff. I don't have a lot of op- I like I don't like going to malls. I don't think anyone likes going to malls. If you do, you're kind of a psychopath. Sixteen year old girl. Yeah, sixteen year old girl. But I do like online shopping when I have time. So like when I say shop for fun productive shit, it's like oh I kind of need a new. I don't know like mounts to like yeah. the mount. I want to get some. And you mounts. go browse. You have yeah, time yeah, to browse. To browse. I want to. Yeah potentially get like a new coffee maker or some new clothes or I'm I like thinking that. about getting some mounts to buy to mount my bikes in my room so that way I'm not like not on the ground I don't know like I've been thinking about some cool productive things I need a new dresser and I think if I, I come to... into your room and there's two bikes hanging from the ceiling I'm not gonna ceiling not ceiling on the wall okay even still <laughs> what I just don't want to have them sitting on the carpet they just take up too much of my room you could they you can put them on the bike rack oh there's a bike rack in the yeah yeah Maybe I'll like, do that. A, like every little other person on the planet. That's fair. That's fair. But <laughs> shot for fun, productive stuff was my number three. I think my rankings are better. I'm interested to see what the YouTube comments say. I think my rankings are a lot better. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We got the bonus mailbag episodes coming out. You were going away, though. Where are you going? You're going to Florida or something? Going to Florida to see my family. I'm Florida? <laughs> actually talk to actually family. talk to my family. Yeah, you're going to Florida for the family. We're going to do some remote podcasts probably to make sure that we keep the content flowing even through your PTO. But until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate. Tailgate.